I'd like to welcome you to Prairie View Christian Church. We're glad you've chosen to worship here with us this morning, and we certainly hope that you had a Merry Christmas. It's hard to believe that just like that, Christmas has come and gone, and just as quickly as it got here, it has left us until 2015. And as a result, we find ourselves in the midst of a transitional week of sorts, as Terry was mentioning in his communion meditation. This is a transitional week in homes and workplaces and also in churches. It's one of those weeks where you kind of don't want to start anything brand new quite yet because it's the end of the year. So you kind of want to just get through this week and then start fresh next week once it's officially 2015. But even though this is a transitional week, I'm sure lots of us are eagerly looking forward to the start of a new calendar. In fact, I bet most of us are probably most excited about that idea of a clean slate, about that idea of a fresh start. We really like the idea of forgetting all the struggles, all the ups and downs, all of the mistakes of 2014, all of the regrets, knocking off the rearview mirror and just looking forward. Forget everything that happened and start fresh. Many churches today will be doing that. There will be sermons preached about visions and goals and initiatives and dreams for 2015. There's nothing wrong with that. I did that last year here at Prairie View. But I also think before we eagerly get to this fresh start, this clean slate, it would be good for us to consider the importance of looking back on 2014 before we start new in 2015. I think it's important that we look back not only in our own individual lives, but in the life of of this church. So with that, if you have a Bible with you, open up with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. We'll also spend some time in Psalm 23 this morning. If you're using one of our chair Bibles, Deuteronomy 6 is on page 130. And as always, if you don't own a Bible, grab one from the welcome desk before you leave today. But before we get to reading this passage, let's pray together and then we'll get started. Father, we are grateful that another year is almost in the books, that you have sustained us, that you have watched over us, that you have protected us. It doesn't mean that we haven't gained some bumps and some bruises and some scars along the way, but nonetheless, it's the end of the year and we're still here. And God, we're grateful for that. God, I pray this morning as we look back at everything that you've done, everything that we've learned in this past year, that we would Realize that we truly are blessed, that we have much to be thankful for. But more than anything, as always, we are more thankful for your son than anything else, what he's done for us through his blood and through his broken body. We're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for the resurrection. We're thankful for the incarnation that we just celebrated for several weeks. And God, I pray that as we move forward into the coming year, that you will be the cornerstone of everything that we say and everything that we do as people and as a church. God, we love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Deuteronomy chapter six, starting in verse 10. And when the Lord, your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob to give you with great and good cities that you did not build. And houses full of all good things that you did not fill. And cisterns that you did not dig. And vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full. 
Then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. If you've ever read the book of Deuteronomy before, you may discover that a lot of it sounds familiar, especially Deuteronomy chapter 5. That's because much of the book of Deuteronomy is a retelling of the story of the Exodus. We've talked about the Exodus here at Prairie View in 2014, about how Moses led the people out of slavery and oppression, even though really God was the one who did all the heavy lifting. Once the people got out of Egypt, they really had no idea what would come next. They didn't know how they would survive. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what the next step was. But then God speaks to Moses. God gives Moses the law and he tells them that he will bring them to the promised land, that land that was promised generations ago to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the land flowing with milk and honey. But as God gives the law, he sets some ground rules for his people as they start fresh. He gives them the Ten Commandments, stressing what really matters to him, hoping that these things would matter to them, too. He stresses that his law will set them apart from everyone else around them and make them stick out in a good way. And then he tells them something else. You're here. You have the law. You know the ground rules. You know what I expect of you. You're my people now. Don't forget how you got here. Remember what it is that I've done for you. In fact, I'm going to give you some things to do to help you remember what it is that I've done for you. I'm going to give you feasts. I'm going to give you celebrations that will serve as reminders of how I brought you out of slavery, of how I brought you out of oppression, and how you wouldn't be standing here right now if it wasn't for me and for my grace. The passage we just read immediately follows the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, 4, the most important prayer in the Old Testament. So I think it's safe to say that this reminder not to forget where God brought them from is a pretty important one. And so God specifically says, when you step back and you examine everything around you, the houses you didn't build, the cities that you did not build, The vineyards that you did not plant that are providing food and drink for you. The cisterns that provide water for you. As you stand back and look at all these things and consider just how blessed you are. Don't ever forget how you got here. Don't ever forget to give me the credit. Now, how does this relate to 2015 and the transitional week that we find ourselves in? Well, just bear with me for a minute. Let me propose that for some of us, 2015 is kind of like our metaphorical promised land. 2014 was pretty rough. 2014 was a little bit bland. So we're really looking forward to 2015. We're really excited about what God is going to bring in 2015. And we're ready to leave that old calendar behind us. We look forward to having that fresh start. But again... Before we immediately start thinking about the future, I suggest that we do what God suggests and commands in this passage. He tells the Israelites to remember. Remember where you came from. Remember how you got this far. Now, as I think 
of 2014 in terms of the life of this church. As I step back and remember what God has done at Prairie View in 2014, I really do believe that 2014 has been a really great year. I think of the multiple people who have been baptized here at this church. I think of the multiple people who have committed themselves to membership because they love this church and want to serve this church and believe in the mission of this church. I think about the generous giving, people who have faithfully given over and over again to support the work of this church. I think of the refinance that many people put a lot of time and a lot of effort into, that we can save money and devote it to ministry in 2015. But as great as all those things are, sometimes in the church, myself included, we're tempted to stop right there. And as we examine whether or not a year was good or whether or not God blessed a year or whether or not we did what we believe God was calling us to do, we step back and say, how many people, how much money? But it's not that simple. There are other things that make me believe that God has blessed this church in 2014 as important as those things are. I look at our benevolence budget and I see that our benevolence budget is essentially empty as of right now. I look at that and I think that's a great year because there were a lot of people who were blessed by this church. A lot of people in their time of need who had nowhere else to go and came to this church and felt the love of Christ. That's a good year. I think of the babies that were born at this church, the gift of new life that seemed to be springing up all over the place. And I think, you know, God has blessed this church. I think of the people who are serving at this church who have never served before or maybe have a stronger love for serving that they didn't have a year ago. And I think, you know, this church is blessed. I think of the fact that I was given the privilege to preach 44 sermons here. But I also think of others who preached here. Joshua, Craig, Carl, Eric Roseberry, Eric Riddle. I look at the fact that 52 out of 52 services, the word of God was opened and the word of God was preached. And I think, you know, it's been a good year. I think of the songs that were sung here. Assuming we sing an average of six songs per service, 52 services, that's 312 songs. And I think of 312 times that people from different backgrounds, with different baggage, with different experiences, different opinions, 312 times people got together in this room and lifted their voices to praise God. I think of communion, how 52 times someone stood up here and encouraged us and reminded us to reflect on what Christ did for us on the cross and in the resurrection. I think about the small groups, assuming that six of our small groups met 26 times per year. That's probably being a little bit conservative. That's 156 times that people outside of Sunday morning got together to study and pray and serve and ate meals together. That's been a good year. I think of the worship that's been led at this church. I think of Jeff. I think of Joshua. I think of Scott Klein. I think of Dave Gafford. I think of Mark M. Bowden and Joel Kinsey and Tom Harrigan and all the other people who led worship at this church in 2014. I look at all these things, you put them all together, and I think, you know what? 2014 has really been a great year. God really blessed this church over the past 12 months. 
God has been faithful to this church in 2014, and he has sustained us. Now, that doesn't mean that 2014 didn't have challenges. It definitely did. Difficult decisions were made that affected people's lives and affected this church. And anytime you make a difficult decision, of course, you're going to have moments of heartache. You're going to have moments of uncertainty. You're going to have moments of frustration and stress and worry. But in spite of all those things, God has sustained this church. God has blessed this church. And I pray that if nothing else, as we sit here this morning, a year later, we thank him for that and we praise him for that and that we are humbled by that. Now, I'm sure many of you could come up with a similar list of reasons why 2014 has been a great year in your own life. And if that's the case for you, praise God. We rejoice with you if you look back at 2014 and if you are amazed and humbled and just in awe of all the things that God did in your life. Today, many churches will invite people to come up on stage and take the microphone and share the stories of how they've been blessed with new jobs or marriages or babies or recoveries from illness or disease or injury, all kinds of different things. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I thought about doing the same thing here. But then I realized I don't want any of these people talking on our stage. I'm just kidding. The biggest reason I shied away from that this morning is because the truth is that not all of us would say that 2014 has been great. It's true. It's a hard truth. It's a little bit sobering, but that's the case. And if we can all have a moment of honesty, if 2014 was not the best year for you, it can be kind of hard to have people paraded up on the stage and sharing all the ways that they've been blessed. As you sit out there and think about, man, 2014, I don't feel like I've been blessed. I don't feel like I've been given incredible gifts. 2014 has been a challenge. Now, of course, we rejoice with brothers and sisters in Christ who have had wonderful years. Don't get me wrong for a second. We do celebrate that. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We are glad that there are people out there, brothers and sisters in Christ, who can't even count all the blessings of 2014. And yes, we understand that technically all of us are blessed to even wake up and take a breath. Yes, we get it. We understand. We embrace all of that stuff. But for some of us, that doesn't change the fact that 2014 was rough. 2014 was incredibly painful. We think of those who have dealt with death of those who they love. We think of those who have lost jobs. We think of those who have struggled with health. We think of those who are going through divorce. We think of those who have had conflict with loved ones or with friends. Some of us have had great years, and we can't even count all the ways that God has blessed us. And praise God for that. If you're one of those people, Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 13, is a great passage to consider. Don't forget that you wouldn't have any of those blessings of 2014 if not for the grace of God. And don't ever forget that. But if you had a difficult year, there's that other passage that I would recommend. Psalm 23. Many of us are so familiar with Psalm 23. David writes, starting in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So in this psalm, David likens God to a shepherd. This shepherd who's constantly watching over his flock, constantly watching over his sheep. And in the first couple of scenarios, David talks about moments where the shepherd leads the sheep to still waters and green pastures. Those are places of rest and peace and security and joy. But then he also mentions a different place. He mentions the exact opposite of green pastures and still waters. He mentions the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death is not characterized by peace and security and joy. The valley of the shadow of death is characterized by fear and danger and chaos, uncertainty and darkness. And some of us look back at 2014 and we celebrate the fact that it was a year of green pastures. It was a year of still waters. But others look back at 2014 and would say, you know what? I'm glad that your year was one of green pastures and still waters, but my year was characterized by the valley of the shadow of death. My year was uncertain. My year was chaotic. My year was painful. My year was scary. If that's you this morning, you fall into that second category of people who haven't exactly had the best 2014. I'd like you to remember a couple of things as well. Number one, I'd like you to remember that you're not alone. Even though David acknowledges that, yes, the sheep often end up in the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, the sheep often find themselves in places of danger and fear. He never once implies that the shepherd leaves their side. He never once indicates that the shepherd lost the sheep or turned his back on them. And I would encourage you to know that through an incredibly difficult year, you have not been alone. And you're not alone right now. The shepherd has been with you every single step of the way, even if the darkness makes it a little bit harder to see him. And the shepherd will be with you if that fear and valley of the shadow of death continues into 2015. But not only is the shepherd with you, you have the rest of the flock with you. You have us with you, your brothers and sisters in Christ, the body of Christ. And we're here to listen to you. We're here to care for you. We're here to pray for you, encourage you, and build you up in any way that we possibly can especially if 2015 doesn't seem to look any better than 2014 did. So not only are you not alone, that's point number one, I'd like you to know that God can take your pain and he can use it for your good and for his glory. I think of a man like Joseph, one of the more famous stories in the Old Testament. Joseph was a young man. He had mostly older brothers than he was, but he was kind of arrogant he was kind of full of himself. And it didn't help the fact that Joseph's father kind of fed it. 
Joseph's father showed favoritism to him over all the other brothers. One of these days, the brothers got fed up with all of Joseph's arrogance, with all the favoritism. And so they decided to sell him into slavery. He sold into slavery. He eventually ends up as the servant in the home of a man named Potiphar. And things are going pretty well. Joseph proves himself to be trustworthy and honest and dependable. Potiphar learns to trust Joseph. And then just when things seem to be calming down a little bit, after all the chaos of being sold into slavery, all of a sudden, Joseph is falsely accused of attempted rape. Joseph ends up in prison. After all, no one's going to believe him. He's just a servant. Over time, he starts interpreting dreams for those a lot higher up on the food chain than he was. He had this gift from God to interpret dreams. But this gift didn't free him right away. He still had to toil in prison for several years. But then he ends up eventually being second in command in the most powerful empire the world had ever known because he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. Joseph is placed in charge of food, knowing that through God's revelation that a famine is coming. He saves the Egyptian empire. Many people come from all around to get food from Joseph and from Egypt because God told him this would happen. Some of the people that come and get food include Joseph's brothers, the ones who haven't seen him in years. And as they eventually learn who Joseph actually is, that this is their brother who they betrayed so many years earlier, they begin to wonder, how is Joseph going to treat us? Is he going to take revenge on us? They wonder that even more once their father has passed away and there's no one there to protect them from Joseph's rage anymore. But then we see Joseph's attitude in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. As the brothers fear for their lives, he tells them this. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Throughout all of the trials, throughout all of the ups and downs, being sold into slavery, sitting in a prison cell, ascending to an incredibly high position that he could have never even fathomed being in. Joseph never lost sight of the fact that the shepherd was with him and that God was working in the midst of his trials, that God was orchestrating things that he couldn't even see and wrap his mind around. And that God was using even his trials and even his pain and even in hardship and even his brother's wicked actions. He was using it for Joseph's good and for his glory. Joseph would have agreed with what Paul writes in Romans 8, 28. Paul writes there, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. If you are a follower of Christ and 2014 has been an incredibly challenging year, I would remind you of what Joseph knew, that God can take your pain and use it for your good and use it for his glory, even if it's hard to wrap your mind around how that works. You're not alone. The shepherd is with you. He's with you every step of the way. And then finally, I'd like you to know that God knows your suffering. We just talked about the incarnation for several weeks around Christmas time. We talked about how Jesus was sent by God and suffered and bled and died on a cross for me and for you. 
And one of the most core ideas of the incarnation is the fact that because Jesus put on flesh, God is not oblivious to the pain and the suffering that we feel. In fact, God knows our pain all too well because his own son went through intense pain for you and for me. So if you've had a great year, again, I'd encourage you to remember how God has blessed you. To consider the fact that how you got here is by the grace of God. That he's been with you every single step through the ups and the downs, through the successes and the failures. And if you're one of those people who's had a horrible year, who can't get to 2015 soon enough, and you hope that this is a clean slate and a fresh start, I would remind you that the shepherd was with you even through those trials. The shepherd was with you even through that pain. The shepherd is not just with us when we go through still waters and green pastures. The shepherd is with us in the valley of the shadow of death as well. He was with you then. He's with you now. And he'll be with you in 2015, even if things don't get any better right away. And whether 2015 ends up being a great year, an okay year, or just an awful year that we want to forget as soon as possible, we can know for sure that regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what comes our way, regardless of how much time we spend in darkness and chaos and fear and uncertainty, that the Good Shepherd is with us every single step of the way. That He does not leave us alone. That God can take our pain and use it for our good and use it for His glory. And that God knows our suffering. So as we look forward to 2015, let's remember how God has blessed us and be as confident as David was that even in the midst of darkness, he's with us all the time. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for your word that pierces our hearts, that doesn't return void to you. And I pray that this morning that you've given us ears to hear. God, I pray that as we reflect back on the things that have happened to us, the things that we've seen, the things that we've experienced, that we would be able to discern your blessings, even through the pain and even through the hardship. That we wouldn't be so blinded by pain and by suffering that we miss out on all the ways that you've blessed us. But God, at the same time, we also admit we also acknowledge that sometimes the darkness and the pain and the hardship really outweigh the joy and the peace and the security. And God, I pray that even in the midst of that, that you would give us hope. That we would trust that you're with us, you're walking beside us, you have your rod, you have your staff, and that they can comfort us. God, thank you for a great year in the life of this church. Thank you for your faithfulness to this church. Thank you that here we are a year later and we're still standing. We're still worshiping. We're still reading your word. We're still serving the community. And God, I pray that will continue into 2015. I pray that every single one of us would build one another up and pray for one another and encourage one another 
as we move into a new year. God, we love you. We thank you. And I pray that loyalty to your son, that a desire to make your son known in every single corner of our work, of our schools, of our neighborhood, every single corner of the world would characterize what we do. That thankfulness and generosity would characterize what we do. That 2015 would be a year where we can all step back and just be in complete awe of how you're working, of how your Holy Spirit is moving in our own hearts, in our own minds, and in the midst of this church. I pray that 2015 would be a year where we will learn to love your word more and more and more. We'd learn to love one another more and more and more. And that our love for you would grow as well. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the past 12 months. And thank you for the 12 months that lie ahead of us as well. We love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you do not yet know Christ as your Lord and Savior, as you step back and consider everything you've been through in 2014 and you say, you know what? I have been alone. I've been trying to make it through the valley of the shadow of death on my own, and I can't continue that. I pray that you would come to know Christ this morning, that you would place your faith in him. Feel free to talk to one of our elders. They'll be standing at the sides of the room. They'd be happy to pray with you, happy to share with you about Jesus's blood and Jesus's body shed and broken for you. If you're going through one of those challenging times right now, if you're in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death and you haven't told anybody because you're embarrassed or because you're ashamed or because you just don't really understand what it would look like to share that with someone else. I'd pray that you would talk to one of our elders about that as well. We'd love to know ways that we can be praying for you and encouraging you and helping you in any way we can. So as we sing this last song and close out our service, talk to those guys and trust that the shepherd is with you every single step of the way moving forward.